Hello, friends. You're listening to Your Daily Drive, and I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. I want to give you a mental tongue twister title. Listen to this title and tell me what you think. Here it is. You can experience rest if you give up what you want. How does that grab you? Well, uh, if you'd like to read this article, I want you to go to our website, rickthomas.net, and look for this article. You can experience rest if you give up what you want. Now, admittedly, there is something about the title that sounds counterintuitive to our self-reliant and self-protective lives. Even so, doesn't it have a biblical ring to it? I mean, what what did Jesus say in Matthew 16? You, You die to live. Or Matthew 23, you humble yourself to be exalted. Do you see the counterintuitive directions there? You you die to live. You humble yourself to be exalted, Philippians 3. You give up something to gain something. And then in Hebrews 13, 13, I love this verse. I want to read it to you. You might not be as familiar with it. The Hebrew writer said in 13, 13, therefore, let us go to him outside the camp to bear the reproach he endured. You get out of the world to get into another one. There's a counterintuitive message to all of those verses. It's why I titled the podcast, You Can Experience Rest If You Give Up What You Want. Now, I want to explain this mystery here, the conundrum, the tension that is in all of our hearts, because we have desires. We have good things that we want. You want good children. You want a good husband. You want a good wife. You want good parents. You want a good job. You want a good life. Great. So do I. I want all of the, I don't want a good husband, but I want all of those things. And those are good desires. But sometimes the method in which we strive to them or the control that they have over us can manage us in such a way that actually we get in the way of getting those things. Hence, I titled the podcast, You Can Experience Rest If You Give Up what you want. I would love for you to read this podcast, and you can do that. It's free. It's sitting on our website, this podcast, this article. Our resources are provided to you by our faithful supporting community. Shout out to all the folks, the small army of people that support us at $5 a month, $50 a year or more, and they, because of them, I am released to do what I do. I can give you my life's work. We can put it out on the internet and you can benefit benefit from it freely because of our supporting community. Each one of you, you know who you are. And I want you to know that I I thank God for each one of you. Thank you for permitting me for over 12 years now to be able to do what I do. Without you, it will not happen. Let me jump into this article, this podcast, again, titled, You Can Experience Rest If You Give Up What You Want. This mystery with God is the crux of our lives and the ongoing tension in our souls. There's a play on words here, as you probably know, the word crux means cross. 
and we must take up our cross. And this mystery, this counterintuitive message that I'm communicating to you, it is the crux of our lives, and it is it is the cause of the ongoing tension that can be in our souls. I know I must die to live, but I don't want to die to live. And that's really the struggle. That is the crux there. Lord, help me. When I can see, what I can see, rather, has a stronger hold on me than the things that I cannot see. How about if we apply the counterintuitive nature of the gospel to the idea of the rest-filled soul? And again, this is the, the topic, the idea that I am exploring in this podcast, how to experience rest. And I am saying that you can experience rest if you give up what you want. And so I want to apply this counterintuitive message to this idea of rest. And we can start by, I want to ask you two questions. Number one, do you generally consider yourself a rest-filled soul? I'm not asking you if you're resting, if you feel uh, rest-filled right now or or earlier this morning, but, but a general characterization, maybe you're discombobulated right now. Maybe you just got that phone call or just read that that thing on social media and you're a little bit upset inside that can happen we can have episodic moments of of unrest but my question is are you generally characterized or do you generally consider yourself a rest-filled soul you want to make that diagnosis number two are you easily controlled by anxiety, worry, stress when you perceive circumstances to be more formidable than your ability to withstand them? And so as you look at the wave or the tsunami and you see it coming toward you, does what manages your heart? Is it anxiety, worry, and stress, or are you a rest filled soul, generally speaking? Those are the two questions that I would love for you to ponder as we move forward, as I move forward in this podcast. I'm thinking of the duck making its way across the lake. From an external observation, the the duck and the lake seem to be synchronized, a synchronized unit of calmness in motion. But then when you look underneath the water, you realize the duck's feet are a flurry of action, keeping it afloat while moving forward, which is the true story. Is it a synchronized unit of calmness in motion, or do you see uh, flurrying feet in action while moving forward. You know, Facebook can be like that. When you look on Facebook, what you see, what you can see with an individual is a synchronized unit of calmness in motion. And then you get to know the person actually outside of cyberspace, in real space, real time, and you realize, oh, uh, what I saw and experienced on Facebook in cyberspace, it looked like a synchronized unit of calmness in motion. But as I get to know you in reality, you are a, your feet are a flurry of action, keeping afloat while moving forward. Now, can't we all be like this? You see, it's not accurate to think Christians are different from our world when it comes to these temptations. 
we can present ourselves to the public as the person we want the public to see us, how we want them to see us, but our souls can also be secretly churning with varying degrees of restlessness. Acquiring rest will only come through faith-filled fighting for it. Rest is not something that just happens because you prayed about it, because you asked for it. To have rest, you must fight to have it. You should relentlessly pursue rest. Not to be at rest is a setup for danger and disappointment. Now, I want to share with you a text that you are familiar with from the book of Hebrews, and it will help you to explore this, this issue of striving or fighting for rest. The text is Hebrews 4, 11 through 13, and you are familiar with at least some of it, I'm quite sure. Here's what the Hebrew writer said, Hebrews 4, 11 through 13, let us therefore strive, there it is, fight, strive, work to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience, first sentence. Next sentence, here's what you're familiar with. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of mara, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And, next sentence, and no creature is hidden from his sight, God's sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. There is always good news when you open the Bible. The good news we find in this passage, Hebrews 4, 11 through 13, is the solution that allows us to secure a rest-filled condition for the soul. This passage is familiar to you. At some point, I would imagine, in your Christian upbringing, you you may have memorized at least Hebrews 4.12, for the Word of God is is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's essential memory work for all Christians. Many folks can pull out this critical Bible bullet when we want to laud the Word of God. And yes, it is it is the excellent bullet to pull out. But did you know that this passage, this passage is about how to find rest? The context for chapter 4, Hebrews 4, is a counseling session on the importance of finding rest and the danger if you don't secure it. And the intent of Hebrews 4, 12 and 13, for the Word of God is quick and powerful and all that, and and all things are open and naked into the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. The intent of that two-verse couplet is not to be a standalone commentary on the Word of God. I mean, it can be, but that is not the point of the passage. And so you must contextualize these two verses in a section that is talking about rest. And this is, I mean, this may be the the most important time in your life to be thinking about rest because there is so much unrest in our in our culture. And so in this passage, you see this with the conjunction Verse 11 
therefore. Let us therefore strive. And so you see that in verse 11. And and then the preposition in verse 12, for, for the word of God. So let us therefore strive. That's a conjunction. What does a conjunction do? Conjunction joins two thoughts. And so the Hebrew writer is joining what he said before verse 11 to what he just said in verse 11. He's connecting that with the preposition, the conjunction, therefore. Therefore, let us therefore strive to enter into rest. And then he uses the preposition for. And so you could say it this way. Let us strive to enter into that rest because the Word of God can help you find it. And and that's what the for is in verse number 12. You could use the word because. You can strive, you can enter into the rest, into rest because because the word of God will help you find it. You should be willing to strive for the soul's undisturbed shalom because God's word is amazingly astute in assisting you to attain it. And so this this passage. In fact, if you take these three verses, 11, 12, and 13 of Hebrews 4, it breaks down into three simple calls to action. If you follow this process, you will find and enjoy the rest God longs for his children to possess. And so in verse number 11, you are required to strive for rest. Let us therefore strive to enter into that rest. That's verse 11, step one. Step two, verse number 12. God's word will identify how you need to change to find rest. And so God's word is the mechanism that he will use to expose where you need to change. And then verse 13, that all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom we must give an account. And so step number three, you are accountable to what God reveals to you. And so you are required to strive for rest. You will identify how you need to change. You are accountable to what God reveals. Now, before you go further, you must fix this truth in your mind. Here it is. God's rest is available to you through all the trials and troubles you are experiencing. Please do not harden your heart through discouragement. Be encouraged because God's word can dissect your heart and reveal to you where you need to change and what you need to do. He will use your troubles to show you the real truth about your heart. Now, perhaps you need to pull up this article on our website, and you need to just reflect upon those couple of sentences that I just shared with you, because you have to understand that many times the the context, in fact, it may be most times, the context that God uses to help you to change or are the troubles in your life. And he will use his word to dissect your heart using the heat, the troubles, the circumstances that you are in to soften the heart so the word of God can penetrate the heart and with surgical precision dissect it to reveal and purify your desires. 
there is a deep satisfaction found in the good of the gospel. And we can become dissatisfied and disappointed and discouraged by the journey to that sweet spot as we try to get to the epicenter of the gospel and to live in that sweet spot, we can be so dissatisfied. We can become so discouraged as though we can never get there. And when this happens, you develop gospel amnesia, a forgetfulness of the process. And though you cannot lose your salvation, I'm not saying that at all. Please don't overworry that because that is not what I'm saying. You can lose your rest. And the way that you will lose your rest is by going back to self-effort, to strive for your preferred expectations. It's incredible how easy we can disturb our rest in God. It can happen with a phone call from a friend conveying bad news. It can happen through the allurements of our world or the nonsense of our world. It can occur when someone disappoints you by not meeting your expectations. The potential of having a hard heart is as easy to have as it is to crave food, air. These temptations are always before us. And if you're not careful, you will not see the purpose of the trouble that you are in. You will develop gospel amnesia and you're not getting what you want, and so you overstrive, you overreach, and and now you are you're trying to get something through self-effort, which only complicates the problem. This matter is severe and it requires our utmost diligence. Our desires for acceptance preference, comfort, control, they can capture us in a moment. If it does, we will harden our hearts. And this is what the text is talking about in Hebrews 4. And we will cut ourselves off from the rest that God offers. There's no neutral position in this fight. Either you are striving daily to enter into God's rest, or you're losing ground. We must fight to enter into God's rest. And if you do lose ground, your ability to discern the real problem becomes more elusive. That's where that gospel amnesia can set in. Now, to proceed, before we go further, I want you to answer a few diagnostic questions. I have three of them. And so as you think about them, these are not the questions, but I want to preface those diagnostic questions with a question. Are you willing to go under the knife of God's Word to figure out what keeps you from rest? I mean, that's really the big question that I'm asking. I'm not addressing external slumber. I'm not talking about taking a nap. That's not the rest we're talking about here. I'm talking about an internal contentment in God. If you're not at rest— if you don't have internal shalom, you will not find the solution in your circumstances or the need for another vacation. The person who is not ret at the person who is not at rest has a restless heart. And so you must expose your heart to God's word, which is what the Hebrew writer is saying here in verse in chapter four. The Bible is living, it is active, it is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of mara. 
and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And so here are my diagnostic questions before I proceed. This is, this is not easy. This is why I was giving you that counterintuitive title. You can experience rest if you give up what you want. That's why I was sharing with you from Matthew 16. You, you die to live, Matthew 23. You humble yourself to be exalted, Philippians 3. You give up something to gain something, Hebrews 13. You get out of the world to get into another one. And so this is not easy. I'm not saying this as though it's simple for me. It's not easy. I am just as complicated as you are, and I struggle as you do. Here's your three diagnostic questions. One, do you really want rest? Do you really want this kind of internal contentment? Shalom. Number two, do you really want to grow in your sanctification? Number three, do you really want to be exposed for the person you really are? And again, if you're going under the knife, it's what God's Word does according to this text. If, you're, if you really want to, it will expose you. And this is where I become a little bit inhibited. This is where I have to examine my own heart and say, well, you know, maybe... And there's a little bit of yes and a little bit of no in my answer. If you're hungry for this kind of rest, or maybe in my case, if you're semi-hungry or cautiously hungry for this kind of rest, let's proceed to the Lord's operating room, asking Him to reveal the secret things tucked away in your heart. He is looking for those idols that grip the heart and control the mind. Nothing will penetrate your heart quicker, deeper, and more profoundly than the Word of God. It is precise. It is decisive. It is accurate. It will keep you from getting a hard heart. It will reveal the person you are while giving you a practical plan for changing with surgical precision. You cannot hide anything from God's sight. Everything about you is naked and exposed before his eyes. Things that, things that he is holding you accountable for being and doing. The bad news is you can't see what he sees. You're, you're blind to your sin, as I am too. The good news is God can see your heart, and he will inform you of your problems if you humble yourself to listen. And that's why I was asking you those three really questions. Do you really want rest? Do you really want to grow in your sanctification? Do you really want to be exposed for the person you really are? Because that is what God's Word can do. If you humble yourself, your heart may be more entangled than you realize, but it's not more entangled than your loving Father knows. There is rest found in spiritual surgery when you humbly lay yourself before God. I, I laugh under my breath because I realize how daunting this is, and that's why I labor at this point, because, you know, we can say yes and amen when we hear a sermon about, oh, yeah, God's Word, it just exposes us, and it, you know, reveals the deeper things of our hearts. Yeah, go, God. Yeah, preach it, preacher. Uh, but then it's us on the operating table. I can talk about you getting an operation, but I vividly remember being rolled into the operating room 
uh, when I was having back surgery. And I assure you, I had a whole different thought process about surgery and what was about to happen. Surgery is scary, which is why you have to trust. And though you are vulnerable, you must be willing to go through the process. Are you in faith for the operation? Your answer has everything to do with your confidence in the surgeon, not your confidence in yourself. Your confidence in the surgeon. Do you believe God? One, it can expose you. Two, cut out the sin. Three, heal you. Do you believe he can expose you, cut out the sin, and heal you? Are you willing to allow him to do this? You see, in Hebrews 14, Uh, 4.13, the word exposed is a word that depicts a lamb holding its neck back to have its throat cut. This imagery is powerful, and the Lord calls us to do this before Him. God's Word tells us what God sees in our hearts. He considers the work that needs completion in our lives. He omnisciently, He is omnisciently aware of our need to change. There is never a moment when God's Word does not precisely see who we are, which brings us to our tension. The unrest in our souls always revolves around what we want versus what God wants. That is the tension. The battle in our minds is undeniable. We want things and we are afraid of not getting them. This tension puts us in a tug of war with the Lord. To make things more challenging is how some of our desires are not bad. That even takes it up a notch because some of our desires are actually good. Many of you have prayed for a better marriage, hoping a bad marriage is not your lot. All parents pray for God-loving children while living in the nervous tension of our children walking away from the Lord. We have similar good desires regarding money and health and homes and jobs. The temptation you and I will fall into is a determined effort to get what we want, especially good desires, regardless of what the Lord desires. What do you crave, want, pursue, long for, hope for, hope to get? What do you feel you need? What do you passionately desire? Fill in the blank. God has an interpretation for this, and it cuts to the mara of of who you are and why you live. He sees your heart as an embattled kingdom ruled by one kind of desire or by another. On the one hand, What lust of the flesh hijack your heart from God's rule? That's on one hand. What lust of the flesh hijack your heart from God's rule? On the other hand, what holy passions express your love for God? Our desires are not a given, but a fundamental choice. I want you to give you an example of what I'm talking about. A woman commits adultery, then repents. She and her husband rebuild their marriage painstakingly, patiently. Eight months later, the man finds himself plagued with subtle suspiciousness and irritability. The wife senses it and feels a bit like she lives under FBI surveillance. His suspiciousness grieves him because he has no objective reasons for it. He says, I've forgiven my wife. We've rebuilt our marriage. We've never communicated better. Why do I hold on to this mistrust? 
it emerges that he is willing to forgive the past, but he attempts to control the future. You could state his craving this way. I want to guarantee that betrayal never happens again. The object of desire is proper, a loving marriage. But its ruling status over his heart poisons the husband's ability to love. The craving to ensure her fidelity places him in the place of continually evaluating and judging his wife rather than loving her. There is no guarantee this side of heaven for what he wants. He sees the point. His inordinate desire to ensure his marital future. But he burst out, what's wrong with wanting my wife to love me? What's wrong with wanting her to remain faithful to our marriage? Here is where this truth that I'm communicating is so sweet. There is nothing wrong with the object of desire, a fantastic marriage in this case. Everything is wrong when it rules your life. The process of restoring that marriage took a significant step forward as he took this truth to heart. What you need more than your preferred desire is for your heart to be laid bare by God. Stated differently, what you fear most to be laid bare by God. Don't get caught up in the, it's a good desire conundrum. Let the Word of God speak loud enough to listen to where your desire, whether good or bad, is subjected to His power. As Hebrews 4, 7 says, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. I have a call to action at the bottom of this podcast. You're welcome to, in fact, I would appeal to you to answer these questions. And if you are caring for someone, please listen to the podcast, read the article slowly, and a bunch of articles are embedded inside of it. And if we can serve you, jump on our free community forum and ask your questions. Thank you so much for listening.